X-Ray. Well, why don't we get started with News with My Dad? And now it's time for News with My Dad. I'm sure we talk about the news with my dad. And in studio, live, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Well, I have to confess to a little bit of melancholy this morning. Why melancholic? Because it was a year ago today, a year ago yesterday, rather, that the doctor said my beloved spouse was not long for this world. Oh. And that reminder gave me a little bit of melancholy because I miss her like crazy. <laughs> this is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have two. First, sort of related to my spouse who grew up in Kentucky in the adjacent county to Fayette County, Kentucky. I'm shouting out this morning for Fayette County, Kentucky. So you understand, the Kentucky legislature passed a law requiring all public agencies to put up signs saying, in God we trust, displaying them prominently. And so Fayette County, Kentucky decided to do that by blowing up pictures of $1 bills. So they have pictures of $1 bills around the courthouse, the county office, saying, in God we trust. And the legislature is saying, that just doesn't meet the spirit of what we were after, but it certainly meets the letter. And it's just a way for some folks poking the eye, poking in the eye for an absolutely ridiculous statute. And second, I want to shout out for the Port of Portland and the Portland Airport, which is has established a policy to ask its food vendors to start using recyclable plates and flatware. You know, we just have a really wonderful airport. Well, Pop, a news story that is a little bit local, that's a little bit national, a little bit rock and roll. Actually, not really rock and roll at all, but Washington Governor Jay Inslee announced out. Wednesday night that he is ending his bid for the 2020 Democratic nomination. He announced his decision on MSNBC, saying it's become clear he's not going to win. He has kept the option open of running for a third term as governor. However, he has not said what his plans are. He's not confirmed whether he's going to do that or not. And my question for you, Inslee is now the third Democrat to end his presidential bid. The first was Eric Swalwell. The second was John Hickenlooper. The third is now Jay Inslee. Pop, you had said earlier that you wanted to have some sort of pool on who are going to be the candidates who are going to drop out next. Let me ask, who do you think? And I'll give you two. Why don't you pick two? Seems to me that if you can get if you can name two names that if either of them are the next one, that's doing pretty good. Well, it ought to be Delaney, but I'm afraid it's not going to be, because he appears to be really taken with himself. And I have to confess, and, he, and he's rich, so he can keep so exactly, he can keep running. Exactly. And I have difficulty with the names of the people who should be dropping out. I don't always remember them all this early in the morning. Bennett would be a good would be a good one. I, I would think that uh, Colorado Colorado ought to go back to being Colorado. Well, let's, by Monday, I think we might want to try to do it by the end of the show, to come up with two names. So wait, you said Bennett's one of yours, and did you come up with a second one? Delaney. 
Bennett and Delaney. All right, all right. We'll take Bennett and Delaney as Pop's two guesses, if you remember. And I, and well, I, I don't know that my two. Bennett is one of my guesses. Delaney is one of my thinks. There, I, I would ought to have another guess besides that. Instead of Delaney. Instead of Delaney. Yep. Uh, what's his name that didn't make either of the debates? Starts with an S. Ex congressman. Steyer. No, he, not he's Steyer. not ex congressman. Joe Seastack. I didn't even know that. <laughs> barely, he's barely, yeah. he's barely running. No, he, 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 he's he's one of those just running for the hell of it. Well, think <laughs> think about it. I can I recognize you don't bring the laptop to the so look through your clipboard and see if it has all the names of presidential candidates. I'm looking at them here. Uh, Give me some ideas. <laughs> well, I, I think I think some that we should look at. What I'll do is when we take our next break, I'll make sure I have the list of all the candidates who have made the debates. And may, who have made the next debate? And my m- methodology would be that a candidate who has it, who doesn't make the next debate, anybody who does make the next debate, I think, is unlikely to drop out before that debate, right? Right. So then I would l- look at the candidates left, who the candidates who did, right. with the exception of Tulsi Gabbard, because I figure Russian money will keep her in all the way, you know, all the <laughs> all the way through, even as a third party candidate. I just assume. That you know she'll get propped up to try to take down the the Democratic nominee. I don't do, know. And do I understand that Hawaii law allows her to run for both offices? I have no idea. That that's that's a key that's a key thing for Miss Gabbard. All right, Pop. The uh, there are now new details. Oh, in fact, this is this is perfect segue. New details for the third Democratic debate in Houston. ABC News now in partnership with Univision is announced on Wednesday that it will have the third Democratic primary debate on September 12th. It'll be two nights, September 12th and 13th. Uh, it'll only it'll only be one night if no further candidates qualify. So far, 10 have made the cut. If there is any more, if there are any more than 10, then they'll go into a second night. And Which would up. be great, because if there were 12, 6 a night, we might actually have time to get some decent ideas talked about. Okay, so here are the folks who have, uh, and, and then what I want to do, and maybe and maybe Miranda can help, is I'm going to say all these names of the folks who made it in, and uh, you, you want, Dad, you want to see if you can name uh, how many you can name of the people who made it in? No, I just okay. embarrassed myself. All right, so then, uh, <laughs> uh, so then maybe Miranda, you can cross-reference the list of candidates and subtract uh, all those names, and then we can look at the people who didn't make it, and then Pop can pick his two. Does that make sense? Here are the ten who've made it. All right, Biden. Uh, Booker, Buttigieg, Castro, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang. This is the this is the gang of ten so far. Williamson has not made it. Marion Williamson has not made it. That surprises me a little bit because she has her her own crowd. Yeah, and you know she had things that she said in the last campaign in the last debate. But let's move on, uh, Dad. Uh, well, actually, before we move on. You already expressed one of your desires for the next debate, which is that there'll be a little more time to get into some meat. And, and some questions that ask for meat rather than fights. Yeah. What are, what are topics that you hope come up that haven't come up enough? Well, the topic that hasn't come up at all is the egregious, egregious amount of money that we pour down the rat hole of the five-sided building on the southwest side of the Potomac River. The money that we spend on the, quote, defense, close quote, establishment, 
$100 million aircraft, single aircraft, $100 million, billions, $5 billion ships that if you were if you were looking at where money should be spent to protect lives in the United States of America if you took half of that money and used a half of the half that would be a quarter to go after the national debt and the other half of the half to address things like health care and infrastructure and education just so many things that could be done that would improve the lives and lessen the risks to Americans that are being produced by $100 billion aircraft. Just blows my mind, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody dares go after it. This demonstrates our, I think maybe the biggest political difference between you and me is where we, what we think of first and what we get uh, where our uh, kind of where the root of our political critique and political sensibilities are. Uh, let, let me I just could have guessed. Let, I could let, have guessed yours. But let me just explain what what that what that typifies for me. What that symbolizes for me is the larger topic of government priorities. The priorities are ultimately decided by where we spend money. Jesus said, "Where a person's money is." treasure is, there his heart will be also. It's also true of governments. And when you look at our budget, our priorities are just screwed up. So the, I'll tell you where mine, where mine is. Uh, and and I, I, I would have guessed, I think I could have guessed yours. I should have guessed it prior. Uh, but my, uh, well actually, can you guess mine? <laughs> I, think you, I, I think you should be able to guess mine. It's not a, it's not a crime if you don't. It's not I mean, there's no, you know. I, I think I think your yours probably has to do with voting safety and campaign financing. Ding 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 ding. There hasn't <laughs> been a single question asked. There has not been a, and this is not this is not a, you know, random hunch. There's not been a single question asked about voting rights. There hasn't been a single question asked in any of the Democratic debates, and wait, but wait, there's more. There wasn't a single question asked about, uh, and, and this is according to Ari Berman, uh, of, is he now the nation or Mother Jones, uh, that there was not a single question asked about voting rights in the, in the 2016 primary debates either. There wasn't a single question asked when Donald Trump was trying to become the Republican nominee, not a single question asked. And so I want to see a question asked about, I mean, yeah, to me it's democracy first. Not democracy most, but democracy first. And, and yeah, I would welcome questions about campaign finance. I'd welcome questions about the Voting Rights Act. would welcome questions about voter suppression, welcome questions about redistricting. Uh, I think there's a host, of, uh, a host of matters just to make sure that if we're going to make choices together, that we have the systems of governance together so that we can make choices together. So anyway, those are two things to watch in the upcoming debates. Uh, that here are some candidates who did not make the debates. And see if any of these uh, to you seem like they might be the next ones to uh, the next ones to drop out. Uh, Chris and Gillibrand, you already said you already said Senator Bennett from Colorado. Yep. Bill De Blasio. Uh, Steve Bullock. It's not going to be Bullock, and the reason I say it's not going to be Bullock is that I am still receiving almost daily emails from him, 
asking for $1, $2, and I suspect he's going to wind up with a $1 or $2 got contributions enough to make it. Uh, Tim Ryan. Ryan would be a likely one. Ryan would be a very, very likely one. Uh, Although, of course, he, but of course, he's been going around for a year and a half, hasn't he? I don't remember. Yeah, he, he, that may be his day job now. Uh, did I say Mike Gravel, Tulsi Gabbard? Oh, Mike Gravel is, shouldn't, shouldn't even be on the list. All right. Mike Gravel is not going to withdraw because he's, his, he went in just he doesn't a joke. Count. And he knows it's just a joke. All right. Uh, jo- maybe, maybe Josie Stack gets in the same, uh, same category. Uh, Seth Moulton? Same thing. Really? He's a member of Congress. Yeah, yeah he's a member of Congress, but he, he, he hasn't made any debate. Uh, Tom Steyer? No, Tom Stryer's going to be there because he's got money to spend. All right, so those are, and I, I'm missing, I'm missing a handful, but those are the, uh, those are some. So out of that group, I think I would, I think Tim Ryan uh, would be my, I think Tim Ryan would be my pick. I think Tim Ryan would be my pick. But who would be, who would be yours? You get two. And yeah, Ryan and Bennett. Ryan and Bennett. All right. All right. I, I do think, I, I do think one of the next two people to drop out will be one of the, uh, will be one of the. Uh, uh, quote moderate end quote candidates uh, that they'll realize and each of them has some advisors each of them has some lobbyists saying oh you could be the you could be the Bill Clinton in this race you could be the person that that stands in stark contrast to uh, to uh, Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren at the same time stands in contrast based on age with Joe Biden and you know carve out for yourself and even if you and even if you don't win you've carved out for yourself this brand as the uh, as the centrist Democrat and and I suspect that's valuable to somebody who sticks around one of the one of the best ways by the way to raise political money is to be a corporate lobbyist favorite Democrat it's one of the best ways to raise political money and so and and if you're a really famous uh, uh, centrist Democrat then that can also help you raise money. So it's valuable for them to do it. But they can't all, they're not all going to get that mantle. So, you know, somebody will, somebody will drop out of that group. All right, Bob, your turn. Well, I think we should mention that DDT may have another primary opponent coming from the right side, a former Tea Party congressman, now a talk show host, conservative commentator, is... Joe Walsh. Yes, is looking at <clears throat> looking at running against him from the right. Not to be confused with the band member from the Eagles. This Joe Walsh has been criticizing Donald Trump since. He, he's, been, he's been hinting at it. I mean, he made a public comment. I think there is... I think Donald Trump could be beaten from the right. And I was like, oh, I, I bet this guy's talking about himself. And sure enough, he is talking about himself. Dad, what do we know? What do we need to know? Or what do you want to know? About him? Yeah, or about the race. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think that shapes well, the dynamic? An interesting thing, what will he talk about? We know what he's going to talk about. He, he does say that DDT is a racist, which is interesting coming from the Tea Party side. I hope he talks about the federal budget, which the Congressional Budget Office has predicted is going to reach one trillion dollars next year that's that's not the debt that's the budget deficit all at the same time that ddt is talking seriously about reducing payroll taxes holy smoke and while we're talking about ddt well let's stick with joe walsh for a second okay the uh 
the quote he has is that he would he would strongly strong he is strongly strongly considering that's the quote strongly strongly considering because I'm not trying to be cute or coy I've told you before if someone's going to go in there go after him it's got to be done soon uh, you're running out of time more importantly there's not conventional times look at the guy in the White House these are urgent times uh, it's I go back to the data that shows that presidents who are running for their second term who draw strong primary challenges have that, that those strong primary challenges end up being a pretty significant indicator of lo- losing not getting the election right yep. whether you're whether you're uh, it's Ted Kennedy and John Anderson running against uh, running against uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Carter. Uh, whether it's Pat Buchanan running against uh, George Bush the elder that having a primary challenge has been a precursor to, and, and it's a good question as to whether it's a um, it's a little bit like the inverted yield curve in recessions, right? Whether it's the, th- is the thing that causes the loss, is it the thing that causes the change, or is it the thing that indicates the change? Because, oh, well, this, this candidate looks weak, so maybe we should beat him. Or this candidate's controversial, maybe I should give, it, give a crack at beating him. Uh, and whether it's chicken or egg, whether it's causal or just correlative, it's a good question. Uh, but, the, but anyhow, uh, it is an indicator. But I do think it does change. It could change the dynamic. In some important ways, because if there is, uh, if there is a candidate from the right, there will be there will be a Republican presidential debate, right? If there if Joe Walsh enters the race, there will be a Republican presidential debate. Why do I say this? Well, right now, Bill Weld is already a Republican presidential candidate, but in order for there to be a debate, Donald Trump has to show up, and he ain't gonna. Donald Trump will suck up the oxygen. He won't let. He said, "No, I'm gonna, I'd rather do rallies where nobody asks me any questions. I'd rather do. Uh, I, I'd rather instead of doing any press conference where press press members of the press could ask me questions where there's a wall behind me. I'd rather just do something where there's a loud helicopter behind me where it looks I'm looks like I'm gracing them with my presence, but instead I don't have to cover anything substantial. Uh, and and he won't show up with Bill Weld. But if Joe Walsh is in fact goes from strongly strongly considering to actually running there will be a debate now again Donald Trump probably doesn't show up but now all of a sudden Joe Walsh and Bill Weld both show up and there is a debate and right. there will be coverage of that debate and both of them will be going after Donald Trump now there and they they will be going after him from opposite sides and there'll still be some debate about tax cuts. There will be more in favor, of course, of the tax cuts than anybody on the Democratic side. There will be discussion about health care, and they'll disagree with Democrats on whether uh, people should get support for their health care. They the, apparently are going to agree on racism. But they will both say Donald Trump's a racist. Yes. They'll both say Donald Trump's a misogynist. They'll both say, I presume that democracy is important. I think they'll probably both say that the Russian government shouldn't have as much influence in our elections as it appears that they have had. And that, I think, and I think some Republicans will tune in to such a debate. So I think it could change the dynamic. Pop, what's next? You, you mentioned that both of them will say that he's a misogynist. Very interesting study that's been produced by the, a combination of the supermajority, which is a, a nonprofit research team, and Perry Unden, another one, that the real motive for pro-lifers the folks who oppose abortion, based based on what they did, they took a very large survey and asked people if they were pro-life or pro-choice. And then they asked a whole series of other questions, and what it revealed was an extremely high correlation between the four life pro-lifers and folks who just think women should be controlled, that women shouldn't be in political office or it's not a good thing to have women in political office, that women should not 
necessarily be leaders in industry, should not be business, et cetera, et cetera. Really close relationship that what it's really all about is controlling women. Well, here, this is the this is in the news, not only in, in that study of correlation, but also the Department of Justice announcement saying that Christian employers should be allowed to make women wear skirts. Uh, it, it, that is... Uh, that is real news. That's not a little joke. And I don't remember any portion of the Bible that says anything about whether skirts should be limited to one identified sex or gender. Particularly because as near as we can tell from the pictures of the day, men wore skirts. Nobody wore no pants. <laughs> Levi's right. hadn't been invented yet. They, had, they really hadn't invented pants. That... The, the, the root of so it, it is your what you said and that piece of news that the root of so much of this stuff really is just control really yeah. and, and okay. it's just misogyny gonna, that's what it is i'm just going to stutter and be angry uh, the march for our lives unveiled the gun control plan we'll talk about that in just a moment after our break uh, we'll talk about the trump rule that would detain migrant kids and that i want to talk about the economy and the deficit right after this break we're going to be right back you're listening to x-ray I'm Jefferson Smith. That's my dad. This is news of my dad, and radio is yours. The young activists of March for Our Lives are not staking hopes merely that lawmakers will implement gun control. They have put forth their own proposal called a Peace Plan for a Safer America, aimed at candidates seeking federal office, including the President of the United States, currently Donald J. Trump, and his 2020 Democratic presidential challengers. It comes a little more than two weeks after a pair of mass shootings, mass murders, claimed the lives of 31 people. Organizers say there needs to be a greater urgency by elected officials. They say the gun issue is both a crisis and a cause for the federal government to declare a national emergency. Also, the tr a Trump rule would indefinitely detain migrant kids with their parents. On Wednesday, the Trump administration announced that new rule. A decades-old court decision, the Flores Agreement, has prevented the government from holding minors in detention for longer than 20 days. The new regulation will replace that and give the federal government more power in determining how to care for minors and families in its custody. The new rule would allow the DHS to license and inspect its facilities, authorize the department to set the standard of care. A Supreme Court ruling already ensures no migrants detain longer than 180 days, except for special circumstances. Uh, but now there is a chance that they'll be able to go beyond this 20-day limit. And dad, the economy. I want to spend at least a few minutes on that. And you may have other national headlines, but I want to make sure we get to actually really do get to state and local today. The U.S. budget deficit is set to hit a trillion dollars. That's what I said. Two years earlier than expected. Congressional Budget Office uh, report showing the U.S. budget deficit, in fact, going to breach a trillion dollars by 2020. Not 2022, but 2020. That's that's four months from now, by the way. The U.S. budget deficit expected to hit $960 billion this year and $1.2 trillion uh, in, the next, in the next decade, which is coming soon. It's going to be the 20s, folks. It's going to be the 20s. Uh, Dad, you combine that deficit information. You combine that with the inverted yield curve. Yield curve. And remember, folks, this was, oh, it was the first time the inverted yield curve paper was written, uh, 70s, and that saw a perfect correlation between when short-term interest rates were higher than long-term interest rates. Normally, long-term interest rates would be higher than short-term interest rates. They get to have your money for longer. They pay you more for the privilege. But when they're when you have that inverted, when the short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates, 
Well, that means lots of people are looking at the economy. People moving lots of money in the bond markets are predicting that we will not have economic growth in, in over the next period of years. Uh, that has there's every single recession over the last six decades has been preceded by an inverted yield curve, and there has not been an inverted yield curve without it preceding a recession. So it has been a perfect indicator without any noise. Now, you don't have the law of large numbers there. We haven't had, you know, 10 dozen recessions in the last six decades. We've only have had a you know, couple handfuls. But, the, but nonetheless, it is, it is a predictor and, and an indicator. What are your thoughts on the economy, Pop? Well, my thoughts on the economy relate to what I started out with. That is where our, prior, where our priorities are. Because of our priorities, because of where, first, let me say, and if, if there's any, if there's any conservative out there, be prepared to hear some, something that's really going to inflame you. Over the long haul, you cannot have a free society where people truly are free to think what they want to think, to say what they want to say, to believe what they want to believe and to live where they want to live, you cannot have it if you do not have some form of distribution of income. You just can't have it. Also, some form of distribution of wealth. It just doesn't work. Because if you don't have some form of distribution, the money all gradually and at an accelerated rate goes into the coffers of the rich and the super rich, and the rich and the super rich use that money to make sure that they control things. They control things not only at the government level, but where you work, what you can say, what you can wear when you go to when you go to work, when you talk and and, and what kind of education you have. just the whole nine yards that 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 priority and if you if you take a million dollars and spend no if you take 50 million dollars and spend it on a tank the tank then becomes a drain on the economy if you take 50 million dollars and spend it on a <coughs> transportation system an improved bridge or a safer education environment that Produces or or Wi-Fi or a public bank or something else. Exactly, that, 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 it it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. I, I just don't see, and the the fact that we are spending seven hundred billion dollars plus on a bloated military establishment does produce a distribution of income. There's no question about it, and but for that we. We might not have any a decent distribution of income. That is, people paying taxes, which goes out to pay for people to work and people to make things in the United States. That's true. But you could do so much better if you were paying them to do stuff that had a multiplying effect. Donald Trump has uh, had come out pushing for another tax cut. He has now flip-flopped on that, instead saying, no, we don't need it. We have got a great economy. Recent poll found that three out of four, Washington Post reporting, a uh, recent poll found three out of four economists believe the United States will tip into recession by 2021. By the way, I predicted I, I predicted a 2021 recession, and I predicted it two and a half years ago at a meeting, and I wrote it on a whiteboard. 
uh, and that was just my thought. But my, my and you predicted because you knew that he would do whatever it took to try to keep it from happening before 2021. Right. And no matter what he did, he couldn't prevent it by then. Right. Yeah. Eventually, eventually, yep. you know, trees don't grow to the sky. And my, I had another, I had another one was, you know, I had to pick a year, and I thought, you know, I had a decent chance because it was going to be somewhere within four years. But the other was. Uh, um, the other reason is more conspiratorial, and that is that so much of what's happening in the economy right now is dictated by what rich people do, right? What people moving mass capital do. Are they willing, are, are they thinking that they want to spend lots and lots on real estate that they don't live in, or they want to spend a little less on real estate they don't live in? Are they valuing stocks high or valuing stocks low? When there's greater wealth disparity, that also means there's greater disparity of economic power. And so much of the economic power is held in fewer hands now. And my conspiratorial fear was that when Democrats, when Democrats were took over, then you know they would say, "Hey, none of us are exactly Atlas, but why don't we shrug a little bit? Why don't we? Why don't we decide that we're not that excited? Uh, either because it's an agreement, or just because emotionally said, oh, geez, there's you know there's 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 some woman in the White House, or there's some person of color in the White House, some Democrat in the White House, something that's not you know so, somebody who's not just looking out for rich people in the White House." Anyway, you are listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland, KQAC HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Dad, you have some talk, quick headlines. Otherwise, I want ta- to go ta- to state ta- and local. Talking about flip, flip-flopping, DD is apparently flip-flopped on background checks. And why? Yeah, let's ba- talk about that for a second. Federal back, re, why federal background check requirement is so needed is just exemplified by a report that California has just broken a very large ring of gun sellers who would go to Nevada where there are no background checks, virtually no limitations on the ability to buy weapons, and they would buy assault rifles and and all kinds of guns with large magazines, take them back to California, and sell them via social media. Huge thing. The same problem with Arizona that has very lax laws. Even Georgia that has, has lax laws. And, and it just screams so, out. So why, why do you think? This, this, is an, this is an interesting this is an interesting pattern. I have a couple thoughts, but what are your thoughts? So Donald Trump comes out after and says, you know, we really should do something now. right?" There, but we, then, then Wayne LaPierre got, got, goes to him wearing one of his $10,000 suits and convinces him that he better not do that. He has taken on, there's a Vox article that has tracked, the. that's Vox with a V, not an F, uh, that tracks his talking points, comparing it to the NRA talking points. So at the very least, Donald Trump has adopted the NRA talking points. I think it is, uh, I, I, there are a couple things that are interesting to me about it. One is it is a reminder of the consistent strategy here, folks. And the consistent strategy here is that, af- that, that what the NRA understands is that after a mass murder after a gun murder that what they and I, yes i say murder not a shooting a shooting you can do in a video game let's think of not only about the person who's firing the gun but the people who died the nra understands that there is a great fervor in the nation after a mass murder after a gun murder that further fervor because there've been so many of them now if there's just one murder Oh, maybe we don't have as big a fervor. Maybe there won't be a big rally. Maybe there's a bunch of people in a school that might be enough, but if it's not in the school, maybe it's not. But then we had two right back to back in the same 24-hour period. And, and, and just, just a couple of weeks after another one. 
And we just, and I just realized how absurd this is. And the NRA understands that all they got to do is wait. All they have to do is wait. And one of Donald Trump's big moves, one of his big moves is to say something. I mean, this is why this is one of the reasons why the lying matters. Okay, one of the reasons why his unprecedented level of dishonesty matters is that he is he says, oh yeah, I, I, all this fervor, I'm kind of with you. You don't have to get you don't have, you can calm down a little bit because I'm with you. We're going to figure something out. And then a little bit later, he says, no, I don't want to. But by then. What he hopes is the fervor has died down. One of the reasons we have to be institution builders and not only emotive activists. Motive activists are important. Activists who have staying power also important. Good article recently in Bike Portland about, uh, about burnout in, among activists, and shout out to them. But there also is a re additional reason why we'd have to build institutions that have institutional memory, media institutions, activist organizations uh, that have institutional memory so that fervor is not the only thing that indicates change. That ultimately the only way, I think the only way for there to be gun control in the United States is a massive defeat of the Republican Party of the United States. The only chance for there for us to to, we won't eliminate, but to meaningfully reduce the number of mass gun murders of the fact. I mean, and I, that I also think it's one of the things impacting the economy. I think if you're having, I mean, just like we saw with the Proud Boys thing, we lost three million dollars because it, businesses lost three billion, three million with an M, excuse me, million dollars because people didn't want to go out downtown because a couple stores closed, other stores didn't get as much, uh, didn't get as much uh, business because people didn't want to go out among the violence. What do you think that's doing to movie attendance? What do you think that's doing to to heck? It happened to the garlic festival that if people don't want to go and have activity if people are feeling fear then they're not feeling adventure and if you're not feeling adventure you're less likely to go buy stuff that the uh, uh, that this stuff is impacting and my my hunch is that this stuff is one of the smaller factors not as big as trade not as big as the fact that assets are overvalued but one of the things that is impacting the economy the only chance that we're going to save people's lives reduce gun murders uh, is to have a massive sustained defeat of the Republican Party in the country. And I ch and, and that's uh, and, and I haven't heard it said that starkly in major media because they keep talking about, oh, well, they're talking to politicians. They use the word politicians, they use the word elected leaders, use the word candidates for president. But let's be really clear. I, I think what I said is absolutely unassailably factually true. The only way there's going to be meaningful gun control in this country if there is a wholesale defeat of the Republican Party throughout Congress. I think, am I wrong? Is there, is there no, any chance I'm wrong about that? I, I'm afraid you're absolutely right. Afraid you're absolutely right. Uh, since Dayton, at least 27 people, almost all of them young men, have been arrested because they were threatening, saying how they wanted to go out and commit mass murders. Uh, fortunately, those, those of 27 have been caught. The ones who may be more dangerous are the ones who aren't saying anything, but are collecting their guns and their weapons. Uh, let me just run some headlines before we get to state and local, because I've got a bunch of state and local. Just a potpourri of stuff. Amazon, huge fires in Brazil. Already this year, the number of wildfires are up 80% over last year, and the chief executive of Brazil wants to blame that on environmentalists. It took New York five years, but Daniel Pantaleo, the cop who killed Eric Gardner, is finally going to be dismissed 
unless the union can get an arbitrator say otherwise. Los Angeles cops over the last several years have killed an average of one person every five days. The largest police have one. And hopefully the new California law, which changes the measure, the, the justification for homicidal violence by police has been tightened up. And then we just want, want, might want to just mention internationally, and and we I don't know if you're going to have, are you going to have Mark Rapp on later today? Monday. Monday. Okay, well, on Monday, let's be sure to ask him about what Macron has told Johnson, that the Irish border is critical, and unless he accepts what's needed to be done with the Irish border, there is going to be absolutely no change in the deal that was struck. But let's stay local. Do you want me to start or you want to start? I think the way we're going to start, we should figure out how we want to do this in the future as we have our production meetings on the air. Because what we're starting to do is this quick six, which is six stories that we get done in between three and five minutes uh, that we're going to be doing every single day that we're also going to be airing on AM 1360, and which, by the way, it's called letter KUIK, hence the quick six. By which, by the way, I had absolutely... I think it's kind of a neat idea, but I had absolutely no input into this. Well, it happens every day. It doesn't only happen on your days. Oh, it happens okay. five days a week. Oh, I see. And the gotcha. and so so one question. So we're is, joining the crowd, right? And and one and so one question is when we want to do it, and the other question is, is what they'll do is we say I'll say it. Maybe we'll say it, but you don't have a laptop, so you won't be able to see it. Uh, and I suspect I, you didn't I, print I, it out. I, I read the list last night. The list last night was eleven, so I assume you're going to choose six out of the eleven. It, it, no, it's six. It's clearly six. I'm looking at it right now. It's six. Okay. Well, the, on the email I got last night, there was there was a, one numbers one through six have nothing after them, and then to choose after them was eleven things to choose from. So the uh, so anyway, I don't know about that. Now that it's getting a little more in the weeds of the production meeting than I would have liked. But one of the questions would be: Are you going in the future? I'll probably do the ones today because I doubt you have these in front of you, right? That is correct. In the future, we might want to think, do we want to alternate? Do we want to just have me do them? But last time we did it, the very first time we did it was on Monday, and I just did it at the very end, but it ended up being a little repetitive. And this time, if I say it, then we can jump back and give a little more detail. That would make sense because that also, as I look at all the things I want to talk about, you'll probably be able to give me some that I can just check off. All right, so I will start. Miranda, are we ready to do this? Now it's time for the Quick Six Local Rundown Local Politics. I'm Jefferson Smith. Washington Governor Jay Inslee announced Wednesday night that he's ending his bid for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. He announced that decision on MSNBC, saying it's become clear he will not win. He has kept the option open for running for a third term as governor of Washington. However, he has not announced whether or not that will, in fact, happen. He becomes a third Democrat to end his presidential bid after U.S. Representative Eric Swalwell of California and former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. Oregon clinics rejecting federal funding to continue to provide abortion on uh, information on abortion. The decision comes after the implementation of a Trump administration rule, which prohibits the use of Title X for funds to perform, promote, refer to, or support abortion as a method of family planning. Planned Parenthood, completely withdrawing from Title X, said that it would continue to serve patients even without the funds. Essentially, Planned Parenthood is turning down the federal funds so they don't have to abide by the gag rule. In the last fiscal year, Oregon received over $3 million in Title X funds. And the state has been receiving that money since, in varying amounts since 1970. And the big losers here and around the country are women. 
Since the start of the month, Governor Kate Brown has raised more than $120,000 in business-related contributions. Campaigns have up to 30 days to publicly disclose contributions, so her fundraising totals this month could be higher. Thomas Wheatley, a political consultant who handles her fundraising, has said that Brown is raising the money to communicate directly with the public, to support her priorities, and support candidates who share her values. Among other things, Brown is backing two measures. The legislature has referred to the November 2020 ballot. One seeks to remove constitutional prohibitions against limiting the size of campaign finance donations. Second, other would raise tobacco taxes for health care. Interestingly, the advocates who passed that ballot referral have now had multiple meetings with Thomas Wheatley and asking for, to share polling information and asking to share uh, finances. And each time the governor's office has turned them down. It's in, it'll be an interesting dynamic in the campaign finance discussions about how much current power will try to control what happens with campaign finance reform. As of Wednesday, the state's disclosure database shows that Brown had $920,000 in her campaign fund. In its first year, Portland's free legal assistance program for immigrants has provided at least 341 people with lawyers to represent them in deportation hearings. The program, called Universal Representation, also helped at least 105 would-be refugees apply for asylum. Other people served. 23 were unaccompanied immigrant children. Saturday's rallies in downtown Portland cost businesses an estimated $3 million in revenue. The estimate, estimate was generated by the city's downtown retail council. On Wednesday, the PBA Portland Business Alliance said the price tag is likely to grow as employers continue to tally up losses. According to a poll released last week, a majority of Oregonians would favor universal health care provided by the state, even if it requires a new tax to pay for it. Seattle-based polling firm Elway Research, no relation to the quarterback, says that over 75, about 75 percent of Oregonians see so-called single-payer insurance as more desirable than the current system. About 400 registered voters were surveyed, 35 percent Democrats, 25 percent Republicans, 21 percent who did not identify. A vast majority of people said the current system is confusing and troubled by rising costs. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. Thanks for listening to it. Nicely done. Got a, got some environmental stuff with court relationship that I'd like to run through fairly quickly. Federal Judge Michael McShane has told the Animal Legal Defense Fund and Seeding Sovereignty that there is no constitutional right to wilderness and has thrown out the lawsuit that they brought to try to have that declared a constitutional right. But that has not deterred the Animal Legal Defense Fund from going to court. They are suing the Tillamook Dairy Co-op, alleging that the co-op is misleading the public with its advertising, showing, saying that it's all small farmers, small dairymen, all this wonderful stuff with pictures of, of fields with a few cattle among them, when in fact the co-op, they say, gets more than two-thirds of its milk from the Three Mile Canyon Dairy Farm in eastern Oregon, just west of Pendleton, that has 25,000 cows. And that's where most of Tillamook's milk actually comes from. Another court action, Millennial Millennium Bulk has lost its appeal in the Washington Court of Appeals over its failure to get a permit to establish a coal export 
terminal in Longview. So that is of some significance. The new Center for Biological Diversity is suing NOAA for telling them that NOAA needs to create an orca protection zone. Orcas are killer whales. That they need to protect, create a protection zone west of the, of the San Juan Islands. And they're suing them because they submitted a petition to NOAA three years ago, and NOAA never got around even to reply, replying, but related directly to that subject. State court in Skagit County, Skagit County abuts the Puget Sound, has thrown out a lawsuit asking for that, rather has thrown out an initiative that was filed to try to increase the protection zone that presently exists from 300 to 650 yards, saying that the state doesn't have any jurisdiction and therefore the initiative cannot go to the voters. That's uh, that's five quick ones. All right, Pop. I, I did want to go back to one of the things that... Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I had a sixth. The sixth we should mention. The Kettle Falls wolf pack has apparently been eliminated. they got three more wolves and Looks like Kettle Falls wolf, wolf Pack. The what? The wolf pack that lives near Kettle Falls. Washington. Kettle Falls. Kettle, Kettle Falls. Falls. Yep, Kettle as in calling the pot black. So the uh, so the story and the governor raising 120 grand for business groups. It's it's an interesting dynamic. So the governor now has about a million dollars. All right, and the interesting thing about this, she's term limited. She can't run for anything, and she's not going to run for the legislature. And she's not allowed to transfer that to a federal office. Right. You can, uh, uh, you know, fun fact, if you raise uh, federal campaign contribution money, you can use that to run for state office. So if you're running for Congress, if, if Earl Blumenauer decided to run for mayor, he could use all the money in his congressional account to run for mayor if he so chose. Uh, and the reason for that is because we that Oregon has no limits to campaign contributions. But the federal government does have limits to campaign contributions. And therefore, the unlimited money you can raise in Oregon can't be applied to a federal election. So there's nothing really that Kate Brown can do with the money in her own campaign. It does allow her to pay her consultants, right? Uh, it does allow her to pay Kevin Luper. It does allow her to pay Thomas Wheatley. It does allow her to, and they're paying, the, you know, she's paying them some number of thousands of dollars a month. Uh, and it does allow her to get engaged in ballot initiatives. And what's interesting is that each time it's come up, she said, well, we're going to, we're going to help support two things. We're going to help deal with, uh, with uh, the smoking ballot initiative, we're going to pay for that, and we're going to help fund the campaign finance one. The campaign finance one, and yes, disclosure, it's something I care about, is a really big deal because raising money to transform the role of money in politics can be a little tricky. In fact, one of the longest, one of the longest suffering campaign finance advocates, every single time the subject comes up, says, "Why would these big donors want to contribute to make it to make it so they have less power? I don't understand why they would." And, and and the truth of the matter is, most of them don't. And and I and my <laughs> argument is, well, a few of them might see it could save them money. You know, some of them would rather not probably give you know five or ten grand every time a candidate for blank office calls them. And if they say, oh no, I'm only allowed to give up to this, well, that would save them some money. This would actually be a good investment for them to do. But the fact of the matter is, most of the people who money in politics do for do so uh, in large large amounts, do so for power related purposes, and they don't want their power to go down. And therefore, if the governor decided to spend a half million dollars, right, or 
or spend a million dollars, spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to help pass campaign finance reform in Oregon, it would be a big, big deal. But this interesting thing is, in the meetings so far, and this is breaking news, by the way, nobody else got this, in, uh, that there have been meetings between the campaign finance reform activists and advocates, people who pass this stuff in the legislature, who pass this stuff in Portland, who pass this stuff in the county, people who are really doing it. And so far, there has been the, the uh, so far they have said no, we don't have any money for it. So far, they have said, no, we don't have any money for the campaign. And that could change. And they could say, maybe they hit at it, there'll be some money later. And, and, and maybe they'll put in something into TV. But they haven't even said that. They said, no, we have, no, we have nothing in the budget for that at this point. Uh, and won't, and won't also have not agreed to share. They did a poll, apparently, on, on campaign finance reform and have not agreed to share their polling information. And, and so it's going to be a really interesting dynamic because, you know, to, it's, a, it's a nice line to the press to say, you know, you know we're raising this money to help you know, get money out of politics. But the proof of the pudding is where the money is spent. Where it'll go. And so I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen, right? It still might happen. But I think the real dynamic is not about, it's not about whether it's truthful or not truthful or we'll see about that. That's not my point, really. The point is this interesting dynamic about whether, uh, whether the existing power structure is going to be in charge of how campaign finance reform happens. And that whether the, whether the biggest donors and the most powerful politicians and the most powerful organizations are going to be the primary filter through which uh, the campaign finance reform legislation happens in Oregon. And that's going to be a fast, I find that a fascinating political science dynamic, a fascinating dynamic of political power, and most importantly for me, a, a really important dynamic for democracy in our state. This is the kind of thing that can pass, I think will pass in our state, uh, because it is so overwhelmingly needed and popular, and it's odd for us to be a state that in so many respects is behind on this. But anyway, Pop, let's keep moving ahead. Okay, Portland is going to get 655 more scooters, so we're pushing 3,000 scooters that are going to be scooting around town. Uh, the... Uh, a scooter apparently ran into a bicyclist, and the far right is claiming that the scooter was attacking the bicyclist. That seems a little bit far-fetched for me. Some environmental stuff that is not court. The DEQ, that's the Department of Econo Economic Quality in Environmental or, Quality. Environmental Quality, excuse me, Environmental Quality in Oregon, has adopted a new policy that they are calling the Clean Air Oregon Policy, going after industrial pollution. Again, the proof of that is going to be in what they really do and not just what they say. It looks like the Alpenrose Dairy may actually have been sold. Some of the members of the family are trying to stop it, but it looks like it may have been sold. And while we're talking about sales, the Grand Ronde tribe has closed on the Blue Heron Mill. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the Blue Heron Mill. Some interesting things in who, in the Secretary of State's race. Have you heard about that? No, I have not. Okay, well, we have a, a declared candidate, Jamie McCloyd Skinner. Is it, does she pronounce it McCloyd? McLeod. McLeod. There are McClouds there, there who pronounce it McCloyd's, and there are McCloyds who pronounce it McLeod. Anyway, she was the unsuccessful candidate by, of, for the Democratic Party running for second congressional district last year, but she ran a very credible campaign in a district where a Democrat has less chance than a snowball in hell. She's very articulate, very bright, and she's interesting. Senator Mark Haas is about to announce, I am informed... Hass. What? Hass. Hass. 
is about to announce, I'm informed on, on quite good authority, and at least one other... Mark Hass is going to run for Secretary of State? He is going to run for Secretary so wait, of State. So how many people right now, have you heard, are going to run for Secretary of State? Those two for sure. McLeod Skinner? Yes, and I, and I am informed on very good authority, but I cannot name that authority, nor can I name the candidate, but there is one, at least one other legislator, state legislator, who is going to announce. And I am able to announce because he told me in my living room the day before yesterday that... He is not going to be a candidate for Secretary of State, even though he was being urged on a lot of people to do that, who happens to represent in the Oregon Senate the place where we sit. That means Senator I know who it Lou is. Frederick. Am I allowed to say? Okay, I say the name. So Lou Frederick's not going to run. Jane McLeod Skinner is a confirmed candidate? Yes. And She's Mark, an announced candidate. And, and, Mark, and Mark Hass is a strongly Mark, rumored candidate? Mark has, has acknowledged that he's going to announce and it's going to be announced. It's one of those, you know, it's not announced, but it's a leak. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a candidate. Yeah, this and and it's it's actually good timing because we're about to start. Very Labor Day is considered kind of the beginning of the campaign season as people emerge from summer. That we are going to start seeing uh, start seeing uh, announcements for office coming up, including if there are any further candidates for mayor, including uh, potential candidates for an, uh, for an open city council seat uh, or or rather contested city council seat. And also the uh, and maybe the highest profile statewide race uh, will be that Secretary of State's race. I wonder who else. I haven't thought about who else might run. Uh, who, who else might run for Secretary of State? Uh, Jennifer Williamson is rumored to run, be running for Attorney General, but we'll cover all of that. The Malheur County debt. Have you covered? Have we talked about what's been happening in with the Malheur County uh, Sheriff's Office and the Enterprise? <laughs> You, it was it was one of your your sixth, I believe, on Monday. But it is worth re-mentioning. We haven't really discussed it. The, much. They're they're going <laughs> they're going after the enterprise for doing the job that journalists are expected to do. So the Malheur Enterprise, uh, they spent months investigating business deals uh, of a state lawmaker. It was Greg Smith uh, in Malheur County. And now the county wants to investigate the Malheur Enterprise for harassment. The problem is, the reported problem is, the reporters made too many phone calls and sent too many emails in the eyes of local government officials. Asking for information, and the reason there were many, of course, is because you'd ask one, you don't get an answer, you ask another. And Greg Smith, there was a, a story recently about Greg Smith who has been able to make a pretty darn strong living despite the fact you only get make about 40 grand a year in legislature if you include if you include your per diem you make less than that if you don't and he but he has been able to amass you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in consulting fees each year uh, that uh, he's been in a better position to recruit given his position on the Ways and Means Committee. And now, the that being raised in Malheur County, has got the Malheur County's, uh, Mal Mal Malheur local government upset. Les Zeitz, uh, editor and publisher of the Enterprise, said in a statement the reporters were only trying to do their jobs. He's a two-time Pulitzer Prize finalist. Uh, all right, Dad, we got we got just a couple more minutes. The, the, the state records advocate, Ginger McCall, did a very large survey of government agencies to see how well they are complying with the law that tells them they have to respond to requests for records within 15 days. 
And she said she was encouraged because 70% of the surveys that uh, she got 70% of the surveys back. I do not find it very encouraging that only 70% of government agencies responded to a request from the state records advocate. But anyway, compliance ranged all the way from the Oregon Medical Board, which reported a 100% compliance, to the Oregon State Police, who reported a 17% compliance. Salem reported a 67% compliance. But what I want to know is, what about the missing 30% with included Business Oregon, the, the Economic Development Department for the State of Oregon, the Forestry Department, the Water Resources Department? That's something for us to keep our eye on. Roughly 450 migrants received legal, free legal help from Portland to fight deportation. That's the Universal Representation Organization, the program that did that. Uh, already talked about the poll showing majority of Oregonians supporting statewide universal health care. Portland Public Schools almost lost $2.9 million in a scam. The district they caught it just in time. Mistakenly transferred the money to an account that had been disguised as, that disguised itself as a construction contractor. Fortunately, the bank was able to freeze the money before the scammer moved it, and on Tuesday, the district announced it recovered the funds. Phew! Really glad we didn't lose $3 million, right? Like I, I would much rather be able to spend those $3 million on the absolute beautiful facilities that they've been building in high schools around the city, or working on to make sure we're not drinking poisonous water, as has been happening around the country. And by the way, this poisonous water stuff, let's put that in context. What's happening in Newark, what was happening in Michigan, what's happening certainly in other towns. It's going to be happening here, more and more. All because over the we, place. Because we have 100-year-old We have systems. been investing in basic infrastructure. Right. It, because we've been, Water and sewer systems are 100, 120, 140 years old. And they're not sexy. And shout out to Dan Saltzman, who worked on the big pipe. That you know, they made an argument that there could have been different things done with the big pipe, but it was an enormous accomplishment. And part of the problem is this stuff is literally underground, right? It is it is n not only not sexy, it's not even seen, and so there's n almost no benefit. It's a little bit like it's a little bit like trying to do something to prepare for an earthquake that may never happen. There's almost no political benefit to getting it done. There's no obvious immediate financial benefit, but there is enormous immediate financial cost for hopefully saving something down the road. We have and and. If in the meantime, over the last 40 years, we've been consistently lowering taxes of the upper income uh, for upper income Americans, and we have been cutting funding for services, then things like poisonous water happen. So anyway, I'm glad we didn't lose $3 million, $2.9 million, sending it to a fraud I, I was going to close with a factoid, but it's a good time to drop the factoid in because you remarked correctly that rich people have been succeeding in getting their tax burden Release, lowered and lowered. Elizabeth Warren's proposal for two cents per yeah, dollar. Yeah, wealth tax. Yep. Well, wealth tax. If you if you have more than fifty million dollars. Yeah. Arithmetic. If you're worth a billion dollars, do you know what that means? You pay in tax that year on that. That's twenty million dollars. Twenty million bucks. That's a yeah. lot of money. That's real money. That's real money. That could, course, that could make sure that people don't get poisoned by their water in Newark. Yeah, but it, it does leave you with nine hundred and eighty million dollars. So you be it all right. does it does not pauperize you, but you can bet that those folks are gonna be digging in their heels. Something that I wanna mention we maybe should explore a little further down the road. The Portland Police Department altered a picture of a of Tyrone Allen who was charged with bank robbery 
to remove a tattoo from his face on the picture. So when they gave a picture array to the tellers at the bank, that tattoo was not there. He was identified, but they didn't note the absence of any tattoo. That I find really, really, really troubling. There are nine new measles cases have been reported in Multnomah and Clackamas County. Uh, so that r reminds me of the need for giving kids shots. And then the last one I want to be sure to mention, the Insurify, which is a, a I think, insurance agency, insurance company-funded research group, has told us that depending on how you, how you rate them, on what scale you rate them, drivers in Gresham, Oregon, are either the 13th or the 7th worst in the country based on things like at-fault accidents, previous drunk driving offenses, speeding rates. That's probably an accomplishment that the city of Gresham is not all that happy getting. So, Dad, I'm trying to get an answer to a question, and we got and we got to wrap. It's time for a straw in the wind. We got a text in. Does Mark Haas? And by the way, it's Haas. Some people say Haas, and that leads people to spell it with two A's. It is not spelled two A's. It's H A S S. And people say Haas. I don't know because there's like a big trucking company of that name, Mark well, Haas. Yes, it was, and also because there was a Multnomah County district attorney who ran for attorney general, who was later a judge, who was a very popular state legislator, and it was pronounced Oz. So it was asked, does he have to, does he have to give up his Senate seat to run for the Secretary of State's office? I, I want to check to this to make sure, but I do believe he does, and not because he has to resign, but because I think his seat yes, is he, over in 2021. Yeah, his, he, does, he does have to... He doesn't have to resign. He just doesn't run he again. He doesn't get to run again and, for the state Senate because you can't run because both there things. Because there are also at least one and possibly two persons who have filed or who have announced that they're running for his seat. All right, Bob. That's good. That's good corroborating evidence. Thank you for the text question. Let's do a straw in the wind. Straw in the wind. A straw in the wind. Relating to what we were first talking about and what you fulminated at great length, the fact that we really do probably have to get a major defeat of Republican candidates in Congress if we're going to do anything about guns. Straw in the wind, Peter King of New York, representative in Congress, has come out as a co-sponsor of House Resolution 1296, which would ban assault weapons, so there are now 190 Democratic co-sponsors, and guess how many Republican co-sponsors? Zero. It's one because of Peter King. All right, there you and go. I'm hoping, oh, excuse me, I I'm hoping that he turns out to be a straw in the wind so we get some more. Well, uh, we did it again. We did indeed, and we'll be back on Monday. Thank you so much. Love you, Pop. Love you, too. Thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks to our members. Thank you to the people who helped during the X-Ray Fund Drive and in between. That X-Ray Fund Drive is going to be coming up in October. We're also going to be doing the Kickstarter for the numbers uh, supporting that uh, sister station 
in uh, coming up here in September. Really appreciate everybody, and particularly do also appreciate our sponsors. That includes our friends at Tom Dwyer Automotive. Couldn't do it without Tom Dwyer Automotive. Tom Dwyer Automotive has been supporting this operation since the very beginning with just with loyalty and uh, and we have so much appreciation for it. You know where Tom Dwyer is. They are right on the other side of the Silwood Bridge. Well, I guess they're on the same side of the Silwood Bridge if you live on the east side of the Silwood Bridge at, at, on Southeast Tenino Street. You can that you can go there to get services on uh, on healthcare maintenance on health uh, health did I say healthcare on automobile maintenance on automobile repair and we really appreciate Tom Dwyer Automotive website is Tom TomDwyer.com. Uh, also want to say thanks to Morel Inc. Ink on anything, mail anywhere. X-ray.